We've got an exciting song to sing this morning. Uh, we like to sing in both English and Spanish. You can choose whichever one you want to sing in, but with this one, and also there's a lot of clapping, okay? So we're gonna have to be moving for this first song. Here we go. You believe that, amen. It's great being with you together this morning, praising his name as one body, amen? Amen, amen. we're gonna continue our worship this morning by reading some scripture together. So we're gonna start in Ephesians chapter two. It'll be up on the screens. So read it along with me, okay? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which, sorry, I lost my pace. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Let's read that slide over again. Let's go back. I messed it up. It's an amazing truth that we don't want to miss out on this morning. Let's read it again. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk. Thank you for reading with us this morning. Is that not such an unbelievably amazing truth that we get to enjoy together because of our faith in Jesus Christ? Not by anything that we have done, because of God's great love for us. So let's celebrate together here this morning. Let's celebrate God's goodness and greatness by continuing to worship with him. Okay, and if you are a kiddo in kids' life, this is a great time to go keep worshiping and here in your Bible story today, you can head these ways. Awesome. Okay, so my name is Monica. I'm the Connections Director here, and this is my friend. I'm Lee. I'm the Communications Director. Yes, and we want to just give you a couple of quick announcements. One, it was just so great to worship, and I just love being part of a body where we um, are connected in our communities and are serving our neighbors and loving people. Um, but I also want you guys just to know, too, that LCC does a lot outside of not just Hilliard and Central Ohio, but globally, and our um, on mylcc.info, we just had a great update of a lot of our folks we support around here. So wonderful opportunity just to go in, read up on um, folks. You guys heard from Hallie last week, so her updates are on there. But go on there and hear how we can pray for people and what God is doing in the world through LCC. And then also with the reach that that we're making here with our community, our local community. This summer, we're going to be completely renovating the youth area right over here. There are tiles popping up off the floor. The wall is all dinged up. But it's used by our youth group, the Hilliard Food Pantry, um, various cell groups that we have, um, a church Center that Point, yeah, a yep. Spanish-speaking church that meets here at a different time. And so 
that's about two months of complete demolition and rebuilding, and it's going to look amazing. We're going to take out, there's a, a few steps up to a, whatever it's called, Cafe. We're going to make it one level playing field and we're going to make the room versatile so things can be moved around and used by a number of groups. But we need your help. Lee, what if you don't have skills? Oh, I don't have. Well, you do have skills, but what if you don't have skills? (laughs) It doesn't matter. You don't need skills. We just need people who are willing to come alongside the people who have skills. It's an on the job training. If you want to learn how to uh, plumb, Throw in some ceiling tile, whatever yeah, it might be. Paint. I don't even know. I, this is horrible. I don't even know what all the projects are. Where would I find out what all the projects are? Um, MyLCC.info is a great place. <laughs> There's a sign-up. We're starting July 11th. Feel free to look through and sign up, and please come help out. And then coming up, is that next Sunday? Yes, guys, I'm sorry. It's like the midway point of summer. It is July next week. But it is the first Sunday of July, which means... It's going to be fun. If you, it's um, pulled pork and sandwiches, so if you're a crockpot person, throw that in there for us. Sign up. If you're like, I have that awesome summer salad, sign up. It's going to be a great time. And we'll eat together. It'll be fun. Yes. Yeah. That'll be really good. Okay. We've got and then we are handing the mics off to our friends Dan and Brian. Where do you guys? Very good job. Yep. <clears throat> good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. We're going to continue our worship this morning. We're going to talk a little bit. First of all, that worship time was amazing. It was, man, to sing songs, just centering our, our lives together on the Lord. And, and like the last one of the last songs says, building our life on him. It's, it's just great to hear us sing that together as one, as one body. Um, I want to continue uh, talking about giving this morning. Um, we, do, we talk about giving because it is such an important area of our lives, um, God has given us so many things. I want to read a little passage from from First Chronicles. I know you've been dying to hear from First Chronicles this morning. So, um, but it's an interesting thing. They were building the temple. They took an offering, all right, for this for the temple, and the response was amazing among the people. And and David reflected. He read a prayer, which I'm going to read at the end of this. And then uh, part of his prayer, he said this about the people's response. He said. But who am I, he's praying to God here, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and it all belongs to you. And that is the biblical worldview that we should have in terms of giving, in terms of our finances. And so I want to talk a little bit this morning because uh, Brian Matheny's here with me. Um, good morning. Good morning. There you go. Um, <clears throat> he was raised with that, that mentality, right, that everything is the Lord's. Your, your parents instilled that in you. So I want you to talk a little bit about your journey, your history with, with giving. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, as Dan said, I, so I grew up in the church, um, and early on, so it was a very conservative church, so we had the giving envelopes, you know, as a kid. Uh, my parents got them for all this. So early on, even as I was given an allowance or everything, my parents were like, hey, we need to set aside money to give back to God, you know. And I always was like, okay. So I was, I raised, was raised that way, 
that has been a habit that they developed from an early age. Uh, at the same time, my understanding changed in that was like, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm giving this money to God and stuff. Whereas over time, I still felt like it was my money, but I was giving back to God. Versus over time, I came to understand, no, no, it's all God's money, right? It's all God's money. It's all his stuff. Uh, it's like I'm just uh, then, you know, giving it back to him as he's given it to me. Yeah, so how's that grown? How's that, like, spirit of generosity, whatever, grown over time, that owning of it yourself? And how does that, how that come to be? Uh, it's, yeah, it definitely, so uh, early on, uh, I was like, okay, I had the habit, but then, you know, as, I'll just be honest, as I grew up, as I got older, uh, my faith, you know, ebbed and flowed at times, and uh, not to mention, as I started earning more money, then it's kind of like, you know, because I wanted my giving to keep increasing, the more I started giving away, the, I'm like, wait a second, I'm giving how much back to God? And so it, it was a struggle at times, but... Uh, what I realized is like that understanding of whose money it was really became freeing. And it really was like, okay, God, let me start praying. Now, instead of viewing that, let me start praying about this and say, how do you want me to use this? Who should I give it to? Again, it's one thing I fully support uh, giving to the local church and do anything too. But it was also like, God, show me where there's needs around, right? In our community, in those that are hurting and struggling. And how can I just be generous with what you've given? And not just, whereas I may have like certain money set aside, but God, if you want me to even give above and beyond that, show me. And so that was something that uh, really God has developed in me over the years. That's awesome because we know God wants our hearts in this. I have a similar story. You, you know, you kind of start, this is my money, right? Yep. And then eventually, I mean, for, for me too, it's like opening your hand and, and actually getting to the point where your heart changes and you're excited. There's opportunities mm -hmm. that God is doing that you can give to, that you can be a part of. <clears throat> Why do you think it's important to give to, uh, to like a local church body like LCC? Why is that important? Well, because we want to get, I mean, this right here is like giving to the church allows us to meet here on Sundays, right? In, in community, to be able to worship together. But it also allows us to make a Significant. And the reason we do this is to make a significant impact, not only in each other's lives, but in the lives of the community around us, um, and being able to invite others into into the building, to be able to go out into community, to be able to serve in the area, um, to be able giving to this body allows us. Like people come to the church all the time with needs, right? That like I'm not here, I'm not seeing, but that the staff and those around like that they do see. Giving here allows them to then be able to say. Okay, let us meet that need. Let us meet your need for groceries, for gas, for housing, for different things. And so, um, you know, certainly, you know, we do, and it allows us as a body, too, to do what we do with Honduras, as we mentioned. We do global missions and stuff, too. So that is something that, uh, you know, giving here it's a, allows that all to happen. Yeah. So your parents passed it on to you. How, do, how are you doing that in your family? So with our kids, uh, similar. Now we didn't, you know, I do, we didn't do a hey. Here's 10%. You have to do this things as much as we said. As they started making money, we're like, okay, what does it look like? As you've mentioned, the heart issue, right? What's it look like to develop that heart to give back to God? And we would, so we would ask, just ask them to pray. Say, okay, what are ways that you can be generous with that money? And um, I'm just going to use, like, for example, my Madeline, who a lot of you may have seen as you through Chick-fil-A. <laughs> it's like, who works there? Um, 
So, you know, we support, we as a family support uh, kids from Honduras, you know, with everything. Well, as she was making money and stuff, she said, hey, I would like to do the same. And so she started supporting on her own with the money she was making, supporting that. And then she got to go to Honduras, and she came back, and she said, yeah, I want to support more kids from <laughs> Honduras. So, again, that was something that heart to where just seeing that need and being able to be generous with that. And so that's something we've challenged them and say, hey, not necessarily a set amount, not necessarily a certain way, but that constant as you're making it, constantly be going before God and saying, okay, God, how would you have me use this money you've provided? That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. I asked you earlier in the week to be a part of this, which you graciously said yes. Thank you, by the way. Um, well, you said that it was ironic that I asked you. It was. Share that a little bit with these guys. Okay. So it's funny. I was talking with uh, friends we hadn't seen in a while, and we were just sharing a little bit about how we could pray for each other. And he shared ways I could pray for him. And he said, what is some way that I could really pray for you right now? What is an area in your life that God is really, you know, wrestling with you on? And I laughed and I said, that's why you're right. I said, finances. Um, I have a kid going to college, first time. It's like, you know, we're trying to figure out whether to get a new car, get another car for her, trying to this, work this whole thing out. But it's like, finance has always been something to where, you know, I, it's like, as much as I talked about wanting to be generous and wanting to have that heart, when a uh, car repairs, we had car repairs that just happened this last week. <laughs> it's like, we had, there's multiple things that happen on the house, right? There's things like that. Immediately, when things come up, I immediately want to try and grab it back, take control of those finances to be able to sit there. And so what's tough is that's always as a, you know, someone who wants to make sure I'm providing for my wife, for my kids, things like that. There's always this pressure in my head. It's like that to make sure, you know, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? at the same time, and so wanting to grab that back, I'm constantly reminded, no, I need to hold things loosely. Mm -hmm. And my dad always says, and he says this, even in the midst of repairs, and sometimes I'm like, oh, really, Dad? You know, we all feel that way at times with our parents, but at the same time, my dad will sit there and say, listen, if God wants to spend $1,000 to fix his car, what is it to you? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm, and, but that's the mentality of saying, it's God's car. It's God's money. It's like, he, it's like so having, as, as hard as that is to hear and sometimes bring it to heart, it's a good reminder uh, about that. And I just found, so with, when you asked and said, hey, I'd like you to come up here and talk about, you know, finances and stuff this week. And I started chuckling. I'm like, all right, God. Another good, <laughs> good reminder again, just, uh, you know, to, it's like that this was the week I was struggling, but I was praying that God would, remind me, just to constantly remind me, keep it loosely, and yeah. I feel like this was yet another instrument of God just saying, hey, here's another reminder to do that. Yeah, that's awesome, and it's an act of worship. It really is. I mean, we sang this morning, we sang that in our songs, God, this is yours, and so Brian, you know, Brian said, finances, we all have that, right? We have things come up, they hit us out of the blue, and we're like, what? We, we were planning this way, and we had to pivot that way, and so we need to have a, a perspective where we come back and say, this is God's, this is God's money. And so with, I, I wanna share something along with that too on a, on a level for us as a church too, because as you know, we've been talking for a long time about this, this side lot, that opportunity that came to us, right? And opportunity with the coffee place, Starbucks coming in possibly next door. <clears throat> well, things have changed. 
And this week, early in this week, I got a, an email saying that the, the party that was gonna buy it is not gonna buy it now, and they wanted to back out, okay? And you step back at that, and you say, you know, your immediate response, just like with personal finances, is to go, I wanna control this, how can I, how can I make this, this, is, this wasn't the plan, this wasn't what we had in mind, but it's the act of worship to say, all right, God, you brought this opportunity here to us. We didn't go looking for it. We prayed through it, we followed that path, and now this has changed. So what, what do you have for us now? Our, our hands are open, and we've gotta, be, uh, we've gotta be listening and releasing control to him. So I'm gonna ask you, and I'm gonna pray for that and other things too, but would you pray for our team? Because uh, this week we'll be meeting with, with to, to discuss what's next for that, because uh, there are other opportunities that have come along the way, um, and we're just gonna pray and discern what God wants next for that. So uh, I wanna close this real quick with David's, David's prayer, and then um, I'll, I'll add to it. But David prayed at the prayer that I meant to at the beginning, he prayed this, so pray with me this. Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things and your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks. We praise your glorious name. And God, we ask for you to lead in the next steps, the next process here at LCC and what you want us to do. We surrender. Um, we know that you know all things, and your perfect plan is in place. So help us to fall in line with what that plan is. And today, God, grow us deeper as we see Daniel and his life of surrender to you. Grow that in our hearts, too, and bless Tom as he comes. In your name, amen. Amen. Good morning. I'm glad to be with you. My, uh, my name is Tom. I'm the teaching pastor here at Life Community. And I just want to start this morning by, um, <clears throat> by saying in our house, I realized something just, just last night, I realized something, that in our house, um, we, we don't have a very a long set of rules. Um, it just has never kind of been a thing. Um, my, my wife and I are both a little bit more um, like adaptive than structured, is, is the kind way to say it. Um, so, so we just, we just have never really laid down a lot of rules. It's kind of like, hey, help out around here and, you know, let us know if something's going to change, like those kinds of things. But, but I realized last night, our kids, you know, older now, several of them, and, and driving and everything, and, and one of them was out, and, um, and it was getting a little bit later, and I hadn't heard from them, and, and I thought, like, huh, like, all this time, we've never had a curfew. <laughs> we never talked about what time you had to be home. Um, and it just, it just struck me last night that that's just kind of how our house rolls. Um, but we do, have, we do have a few things, and we do have some rites of passage. Um, and there's one very important one, and, um, and it, is that, it, is, it is this hard and fast rule. When, when kids in our house get to Christmas break of their freshman year of high school, okay, they um, have to start watching the show Lost with me. Okay? We don't have a curfew, but we all watch, we all watch Lost with Dad when they hit uh, freshman, uh, Christmas break of their freshman year. Um, I'm not going to argue with you about whether or not they should be doing that or whether or not it's good, bad, or otherwise they should start somewhere else. I'm just going to say it's a show that changed television forever, and we're all going to be looked back on it as the golden age of television. Um, and so we, we all we watch it. We watch it together. 
okay? And so it's just kind of a thing, and, and three of the four kids have done this now. Um, and and uh, I, I don't bring this up for no reason, but um, the, the two men responsible, uh-oh, I've lost control, so have I lost control? Oh, baby. Sorry. There we go. The two men responsible for, there, we, there it is. The two men responsible for loss, it's Damon Lindelof on the left and Carlton Cuse on the right. Um, save, uh, save, save information about them, but, but they were the showrunners. They were kind of responsible for it. And, um, and, and I, I talk about this because late in the show's run, um, there was an episode um, called Ab Eterno, which means from eternity. It was about like an old guy on the island and why he was there and how he'd lived so long and blah, 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 blah. Honest to goodness, like it's a really good episode of television. Okay, like if it's your thing, it's a really good episode of television. Um, but at the same time, um, it, 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 it received a lot of critical acclaim. Okay, like very high critical scores. It was nominated for different awards and all kinds of things. And, and Damon Lindelof and Carlton Hughes got a lot of credit for that. Okay, that this, this, the, honestly, just this one episode. Um, a lot of credit for it. And, but it turns out, and, and word has come out recently, that um, the person responsible for that episode is a woman named Melinda Sue Taylor. She's worked in television on many different shows in many different places. And it's come out recently that, that Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof have taken credit for that, but Melinda Sue Taylor is the one who really was responsible for the story and the script. Okay? And, and these, these two guys have taken have taken the credit for this, and, and she's gone on to other jobs, and she's got a pretty good life as it is, and, but, but, but stories have come out about, about the way that, 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 that it functioned on that show and the way that, that credit was given to people who didn't necessarily deserve it. They got a lot more credit than they deserved. And that's, that's a rough thing in life, isn't it? It's, it's difficult for us when someone else gets credit for something that we've done. It bothers me. It bothers me when that happens. And, and, um, and today, we're going we're gonna to take a look at that issue in the book of Daniel. We've been in this series in the book of Daniel. And, and, and we're going to just look at, like, what is it, wh- where, is, where is credit due? And, and what happens when we're not giving credit to, to, to the one who deserves it, okay? And we've been in, in the book of Daniel, and we've looked at, at the first three chapters of Daniel. Today, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 4. But we've anchored our, our whole thing on a verse that's coming up that we'll look at in more detail in several weeks. But, but, it, but, but in the book of Daniel, it says this, that the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And, and we're looking at the book of Daniel through this lens of, like, when we know God, what do we do? We, we stand firm. We take action. Right? And so today, in Daniel chapter 4, if you've got your Bible and want to read with us, great. It's, it's, it's fairly long. We're going to have to we're gonna, we're gonna, um, blow over some things that might be interesting. But, but, but to get to, uh, to, to our main idea here, Daniel chapter 4 Verse 1, it says this. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and people of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. It's a very interesting introduction to a chapter of the Bible for several reasons, okay? Um, but the primary one is that, that the, the person speaking here is not someone that we would point out and say, like, yes, follower of God. And it's clearly not Daniel that the name of the book Daniel is written after. It is the king, Nebuchadnezzar. 
It's the king, Nebuchadnezzar. He's, he, this is being told in first person, doubtful that he wrote it by his own hand, but, it, but it is, it, it's, it's King Nebuchadnezzar's perspective. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, as we've looked at in these other passages, was the king who was responsible for going in to, to the, the land of Judah and pulling the Israelites out and making them captives. Okay? He was kind of a bad guy. Okay? He was a bad guy. But here he is, as we might say, even like an author of Scripture. He's an author of Scripture. He was a pagan king holding Israel in captive exile. Um, but, but he also speaks here and he praises God. He says, glory to the Most High. The Most High God did something for me, and I'm going to tell you about it. So that's where we're going to go from here. I want to read through a long section here. So just read it with me, if you would, okay? Chapter, chapter 4, verse 4 says, it says, again, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my, in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. Another, one of those fascinating things. This guy, Daniel, took on the name of a false god in, in Babylon, okay? and, and that's what Nebuchadnezzar used to refer to him. Okay, I, I'm not even sure what to make of it, but it's a fascinating point. Keep reading with me, though. Verse, uh, verse 9. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee. <clears throat> From, sorry, flee from under it, and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, but let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal, till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declares, declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Belshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter uh, to, uh, to the wild animals and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. 
Your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Okay? So in this first section of the book, we have this another, the book of Daniel is full of visions okay, and full of dreams. And we have this vision that the king Nebuchadnezzar, remember this pagan king has this vision this, of this great tree and this, this tree is blessing the whole earth. Okay? It's, the animals are feeding from it and it's providing shade and, and it, it's grown so large that it can be seen from, from everywhere all over the earth. Okay? And I want to just have a thought here. Pause here to have a thought. There's more in the story. But the thought is this, and it's that God uses unfit people to bless the whole earth. Nebuchadnezzar was a bad guy, okay? He was a bad guy. By any moral standards, he worshiped pagan gods, he oppressed others, he trafficked in slavery and built a mighty kingdom on the backs of the oppressed. He was a bad guy. But God grew him to a place of prominence, where he was positioned and people were blessed because of what he did. And I'm going to just go here. Because God uses unfit people to bless the whole earth. And we've already talked about money and lost controversial subjects, and I'm just going to do this. Okay? I'm not sure, when you look at that, I'm not sure which one you think is more unfit. I don't know. This is not about partisanship. But it is about this. God uses who he's going to use, okay? He uses who he's going to use. At great risk, I just want to say that, that Nebuchadnezzar was really rotten. And he was really rotten for decades, long periods of time. And yet God grew him to a place where through his actions, people of the earth were blessed. Because, you see, God uses unfit people to bless the whole earth. He, it's what he does. It's, it's, it's part of this story, and it's an essential part of this story. And I get it. Like, things are hot right now for us culturally. Right? I get that. And I get that, that public opinion polls would say that, that some of us don't really like the options in front of us. Right? We think, that, we think that one of those people or maybe both of those people are unfit. But that's exactly what God does. We're blessed to live at a time where, where we have an, a voice. We're allowed to say something about who's going to lead us. But in the ancient world, they didn't. And God still used Nebuchadnezzar, an unfit person, to bless the whole earth. So no matter who leads, get this, no matter who leads, God controls. Can we say that here? No matter who leads, God controls. Okay? So not partisan. Political, yes, <laughs> but not partisan. It doesn't matter. God's in control. Let's keep reading. Okay? Your majesty, <clears throat> this is Daniel speaking now to, to the, to, or Belteshazzar Daniel, speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while the roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with wild animals until seven times pass for him. That's a retelling of the, of the dream, right? So then Daniel says this. 
says, you will be driven away, uh, I'm sorry, this is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord, the King. Now, notice what Daniel does there. He recognizes the authority of Nebuchadnezzar by calling him lowercase l, Lord, okay? But he also says, he says, I recognize your authority, Nebuchadnezzar, you're in charge. But this is what the Most High, this is what God says to you in this dream. Keep reading with me. Verse 25, he says, you will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Seven times will pass. It actually is. It is very nonspecific. Is this, in other places in the passage, it's very specific on months. And, but this is just seven times will pass. Is it seasons? Is it years? I don't know. Okay? But seven times will pass, Daniel says. Seven times will pass, okay? And then, he says, you will acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign. Sovereign means in control, is, is in control. Is in sovereign over all the kings of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Verse 26, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you, when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to ex- accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that your prosperity will continue. He says very simply, right? Repent of what you're doing. Turn from it. Change your ways. And it's possible, it's possible that you can avoid this. It's possible that you can avoid this. So the first thought that we picked up in this story was just simply that, that, that God uses unfit people to, to bless the world. It's what he does, Okay? The second thing we're going to say is that for unfit people, though, judgment will come. Judgment will come. God is not sitting back while unfit people do immoral things and saying, well, whatever. That's not God's control. God's in control, and judgment will come. But there's also still time for repentance. There's also still time to change. Did you catch that in the story? This is what's going to happen, Nebuchadnezzar. This is what's going to happen. You're, you're going you're to become an animal. You're going to live like an animal, like a wild person. But Daniel adds to it, but change your ways. But change your ways that God might be merciful. So the second thought is that judgment will come, but, but for, for, there's still time to repent. So Daniel, Daniel um, he warns Nebuchadnezzar to change. And this is a little different, right? Because I, I think it, we have a tendency, at least I have a tendency, and maybe you're like me, I have a tendency to sit back when, when someone who's leading or someone who's in charge is unfit, I have a tendency to go like, I'm going to sit back and wait for their ultimate demise so that I can cheer when it happens. Right? I'm, I can celebrate. It's like sport for us. Right? Waiting and watching for the downfall of those who've gone ahead of us. We, we, like, we've made it... We've made it entertainment. But that's not what Daniel says. Daniel uses whatever, what he, whatever position, possibility he has to step in and speak and to say, there's still time to change. Not, not just to, like, here, let me, let me open the door for you and, and, and grease the steps so that you can fall down them. But there's still time to change. You don't, we don't have to go this direction. Keep reading with me. Verse 28. And it says, there's more. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. So all this happened to him. The tense changes here a little bit. 
But all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, this is what I said, there's specific times, sometimes two, seven, seven periods of time. But this is 12 months later as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. Okay? So kings and roofs in the Bible is not a good combination, if you know like the story of David as well. Verse 30 says, he said, this is Nebuchadnezzar now, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Okay? If you know anything about the ancient world, you know anything about ancient Babylon, one of the uh, uh, seven wonders of the ancient world were the hanging gardens of Babylon. It's in all likelihood that Nebuchadnezzar, as he walked on the roof of his palace, could see these beautiful gardens that had been built, right? And just a few minutes ago, as Dan and Brian shared about finances on on our scale, and, and there was talk about pronouns, right? My money, my car, those kinds of statements. Look at the pronouns in that verse. Look at, what, look at what Nebuchadnezzar said. He said, I have built this by my mighty power for the glory of my majesty. You catch what ultimately is wrong with Nebuchadnezzar. Look what I have done. Look what I've made. And that's key to what's coming next. So look at what happens. Verse 31. He said, even as the words were on his lips... Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. You were warned, and now it's happening. Verse 33, immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Gross, right? I have to imagine. But Nebuchadnezzar is given what he was told was going to happen. It was carried out. God's judgment came. And here's the deal. Notice the immediate response. And, and, and the first couple things that, that we've said, right, is that God uses unfit people and judgment will come. But the third thing we need to realize today is that God does not share his glory. You catch this? He doesn't share his glory. Now, he shares his goodness. He shares his nature. But this whole thing, everything that's happening is for his glory. For his glory, not ours. No one achieves anything apart from God's power. You see, he doesn't, he, he, he gives gifts to us for his glory, for his ends, not for ours. And, and, and on, a, on a national scale, even on an, the scale of an empire like Nebuchadnezzar had in his hands, that's, that's a problem. Now, God still used him. That's the point of the big tree. God still used him to bless people. But God was not willing to say, yeah, 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 you did this, Nebuchadnezzar. This is, you get it. It's for you. See, God writes the script. And we go back to lost. Like, God writes the script. It, 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 we don't. He's the one who has the, gets the credit for it. We can only take credit for it before so, for so long before God sets the record straight. And, and have you had to live with this? Like, I know I'm capable of it. But I, I recently was on the other end of this. I had worked on something for years, 
worked on something for years and someone took it from my hand and put it in front of others and, and claimed it as their own. Or maybe didn't claim it as their own, but certainly didn't credit me for the work. That was in the, that, that hung around in the pit of my stomach. And, and I'll be honest, there's a strained relationship with that person right now. There's a strained relationship. But you see, this is what Nebuchadnezzar did to God. And it's what we do to God, right? We take the things that happen in our life and we take credit for them. It's just not just something that kings do. You see, we, we believe in the myth of the self-made man or woman. That, that we, I made this happen by the sheer force of my will or by, by my own skill and talent or my own hard work. And it happens, we, it happens in, in, in business, in education. I did that. I earned this. I did this. Look what I've made of myself. We do it in relationship. Look who I've been able to connect with. We do it in parenting. Look how great my kids turned out. We can do it in the church, in ministry. Look how great this ministry is that I've built. But we have a serious pronoun problem, right? I, me, mine. No one achieves anything apart from God. This is the lesson of Nebuchadnezzar, that Nebuchadnezzar's learning. Be very careful what we take credit for. We need to be very careful what we take credit for. Because it's all God's. It's all God's. It's all his work. So the story finishes up this way. Verse 34. It says, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say, what have you done? At the, same time that my, at, that, at the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the kingdom of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Look at the, the great lengths that God goes through to teach Nebuchadnezzar the lesson, to get after Nebuchadnezzar's heart. For seven seasons, seven periods of time, Nebuchadnezzar lived like an animal so that God could bring Nebuchadnezzar to the point where he says that, God, that Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged God, it's God's kingdom that lasts forever. There is no ancient king, no modern politician who can stop the hand of God's plan. Nebuchadnezzar couldn't do it. Our modern-day kings and rulers can't do it. And when Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged the true power, the power held by God alone, he returned to his right mind. You see, it's, it's madness. It's insanity for us to claim that the work of God is our own work. Right? It's madness. It's madness to think, that, that we're just going about our life and doing our own thing and, and we're making it happen for ourselves. It's madness. It's God who does it. It's God who does it. 
I know this is a bit of an odd story, right? It's, it may be even hard to believe that this man went from palace to wild animal to returning to his, his, his station as the king, as the, as the ruler. And we've, we've picked up some things. God uses unfit people. God will judge. God doesn't share in the glory. Like, that's not how this works. But the last thing that's true about this story, and it's so true about God's work, is that he restores those whose eyes look to him. Right? Did you catch it in the story? Even in his madness, Nebuchadnezzar looked up. He looked up to God. And in that moment, his sanity returned. You see, insanity keeps our eyes down here looking at all the things that we've done with our hands. That's what insanity looks like. Ignoring God and his work. Reason. The very heart of rationality is to say, there is a, there is a God who is bigger than me, who's, who is the one writing the script, who's making it happen. You see, he res- that, that is the essence of faith. Acknowledging the God who is real and his hand in our lives, believing that it's him that's doing it, making it happen. So just look up. Just get your eyes off of the works of your own hands and look up at what God has done. Let me close with just a couple questions, okay? Just a couple questions. And if questions for, for group this week, for discussion, and a little bit of a confession in this, right? But the first question is this. What are you or what am I afraid of that God has ultimate control of? And as I was preparing to do this, I, as, as, a, as a leader in the church and a leader in my job and a leader in my family and connected, I, I, I bring politics into this because I'll be truthful and say I am concerned about where things are headed. I'm concerned. It's not, I, I, I feel like particularly in the church, it's been challenging. The church globally and, and people, we just are at odds. And I'm worried about what it looks like 18 months from now. I am. And I need to stop looking at this and stop, I don't have my phone, but stop looking at this and start looking at the one who's ultimately in control. He's in control of it. I'm afraid of something happening that God ultimately has control of. But the second question is, what are we taking credit for in our life that really belongs to God? Where are the spaces in our life where, where we believe that we've made it happen, that we've turned the dials, that created the flow of good things in our life? The scripture is full of warnings. Clearly here in Daniel, but in Proverbs 15, it says that the Lord tears down the house of the proud. Isaiah 2 says the Lord has, a, has, has set a day against all that is proud and lofty. In Jeremiah 50, he says, I am against you, O proud one, declares the Lord of hosts. The proud will stumble and fall, declares the Lord. In the New Testament, both James and 1 Peter quote, 
uh, loosely a passage from Proverbs that we probably know, but it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's the heart of this story, right? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I, I, confess, I, want people, I confess, I just want, I want people to acknowledge my hard work. I want to be seen for what I've done that's added value. I, I do, I want that. But that's the path to madness. That's the path to insanity. The path that says, make it about me. Make it about me. When we can get our eyes off of it and get our eyes fixed on the Lord, lay down our pride and look at the Lord and thank him for his goodness, we're moving nearer and nearer to reason, to what's really true. That's the path of faith. Would you pray with me? Father, we... um, we stand in your presence and acknowledge the, the ways that, that we hold on tightly to control, that we take credit for the, the work that you have done. And God, I, I recognize that, um, that you are ultimately fully in control, that... Um, that the good things in my life are really just gifts from you. And I ask, uh, I ask for your forgiveness for the, the times and the ways that I, I take credit for, for your favor. And I ask that you would um, you'd continue to show us, show us where you are good and, and where we have come short. God, make us grateful. Make us grateful for for your work. We praise you and thank you for all that you have done and you continue to do. And pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every victory belongs to you. We're thankful for you. Help us to not hold anything back for ourselves, but help us to give all the praise and all the honor and all the glory to you today. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hey, the band's going to play out in just a second, uh, but before you head out, we wanted to remind you that next Sunday is our first Sunday of the month, which means lunch together. It's going to be great. Woohoo! Make sure to go online to mylcc.info and sign up for some food to bring. We will see you in your cell groups. Have a great week.